you have summoned the Crafted Recordings Podcast. This soil as black as midnight to the place that knows no sunlight, only starshine always gleaming to the dead where they lie dreaming, bound by death's white silken tether. They and I have worked together, thou and I have worked together. A mystery beneath the moonlight, one the nighttime can't conceal. She was a secret that the sea kept. But by the shoreline was revealed And the currents couldn't keep her And sent her back to me instead Now we're lying in the cold sand And I am dancing with the dead I say a prayer for those between the worlds tonight For those who passed this year but have not left for passing is hard for the unprepared, and what comes is shock and violence. I say a prayer for those who have walked the roads of the dead and heard the night hearse, the clatter of hooves, the howling of red-eyed hounds. I say a prayer against fear. I say a prayer against fear of the homecoming. For the driver who has run these rounds for millennia on mist dark streets. The proverbial white light for some, for others a moth pressed against a window is his messenger, or a neck brushed by the wing of a swan. I say a prayer for the gatherer of souls, for those between the worlds tonight, for those who passed this year but have not left, for passing is hard for the unprepared, and what comes is shock and violence. I say a prayer for the gatherer of souls, for those who passed this year against fear. I say a prayer for the next year, approaching on the wings of the dead. On Noskal and Gaev, I say a prayer. So wash your hands up.
death and then there's death. There's the death that comes as part of the cycles of rising and falling, of condensation and dissolution, of dancing in and out of form that has come since the ecstasy that gave birth to the universe. The rising and falling, the cresting and crashing. But then there's a death that happens outside its time. There's a death that happens because cruel forces and cruel concepts have taken hold of human minds and pushed out of the world that which is essential to its existence. We've pushed so many and so much out of this world. People, languages, cultures, species, forests, rivers, whose being was essential to the fabric of time and place in which they arose and which were driven out with such incredible violence that it left a scar, it left a tear in the fabric of space and time. The gods who watch over the gates of death know these distinctions well. The death gods who walk beside me always turn my attention to the distant sound of the rattling iron gate, the rattling at the gates of those who are driven out of this world before their time, the rattling at the gates of that which needs to return into this world in order for this world to be whole again. As the death knells of capitalism, as the death knells of this culture ring stronger and stronger, the rattling at the gates of that which seeks to replace it, that which seeks to overthrow it, becomes stronger and stronger. The data are our allies in liberation. They do not tell you the dead will ride you so far. You will almost join them. You, half alive, standing between meaning and meaning the stuff you purchase, and the stuff that matters. They do not tell you, but then you know, the dead who ride you matter, and so, you listen, here, in sleep and waking, and oncoming cars that aren't your death, and warriors, and villains, and blood-soaked earth. Her death, and your life, flowing out, where later weeds take hold, and flowers, remembering what others forget, remembering what others could not hear, there, between stone and stone and earth. They do not tell you you shall die their deaths, nor what you will become, still living, half sleeping, half waking, blooded, vessel, flowing, over from rim, to stone, to now. Looking at the cherry blossom just opening on the black branches, fragile stars in the February wind. It seems so easy when the flame blossoms from the end of a gun to destroy the enemy. Under the pale blue winter sky, drifts of snowdrops bring unheeded their message of peace. Distant faces we will never see, twisted in pain because we cried for vengeance. 
Life calls to life in the turning of the year, as naturally as breathing. Charred corpses in the dust cannot rise up and speak. Their mouths are stopped. Birds sing of reconciliation, but their truth is silenced by the call to arms. Bombs are impersonal, smart. You can't hear the dying from so far above. The frogs are mating in the pond. So many spawn, life to excess. Some will die. I have not forgotten the dead. All the dead sing in my blood. The innumerable dead. But nature wastes nothing. Life feeds on life. Only the savagery of war is unnatural. Easier to call for revenge than to look in a mirror and see the enemy staring back at you. I was leading a frantic and weeping mother towards the scene of an accident. Apparently, a bunch of kids had been playing on railroad tracks and something bad had happened. Some said they had jumped off, some said they had been hit and fallen off the tracks, no one really seemed to know. All this woman knew was that one of her kids were one of the victims. As I led her there, I tried to console her. All the witness testimonies so far made it seem like the kids had survived. As we made our way through a busy downtown area, surrounded by people, I saw a little girl, blonde hair, playing a harmonica in a tone and, and, and song I had never heard before, whose notes were so filled with sadness and sorrow they seemed ethereal, angelic, impossible. I literally stopped and was astounded that no one else seemed to be paying attention to this girl. I made my mind up after I dropped this woman off with the police, I would come visit her and listen to the rest of her song. What I didn't know was about 20 feet away from that girl that only I saw, were three mangled bodies. Pieces of them practically liquefied underneath the train wheels. No one noticed that little girl. No one had known that those kids were already well dead. And yet, when I saw that little girl, that little girl that when I came back, no one else had seen, no one else had heard, and no one else believed I had actually saw. When I saw her, I knew those kids were dead. Somehow, some deep fiber of my core felt as if I had seen the Grim Reaper herself. And she played harmonica. And she played harmonica. in my mid-20s, um, I was living in Brooklyn, and I moved into an old uh, Victorian house in East Flatbush. At the time, it was a Haitian neighborhood. You know, it was, it was an old house that had been divided into three apartments, one on each floor, and we had the bottom floor, and the tenants above us had been there for a little while. But the third floor, like, someone would move in and, and be there for a couple months, and then there would seem to be this, like, constant turnover on the third floor. 
At the beginning, when I had moved there, I thought that there were two apartments up there. I thought that there were two studios. And one of the reasons was, you know, there was someone who I always saw who was coming up and downstairs. But um, very often when I was in the front yard and I would glance up, I would see either an old man or a little girl standing at the window. And I didn't think much of it because I was the new person in the neighborhood. But still, you know, it was just like, oh, those are those people who live up there who I don't know about. At one point, they were renovating the place, and so no one was supposed to have been living up there. But I, I saw this old man, this little girl, and I didn't know that nobody had been living up there. And so I didn't think much of it. And then I ran into the landlady one day, who's like, oh, just so you know, there's going to be a new tenant moving on the third floor. And I was kind of like, well, what do you mean? There's already someone living on the third floor. And she looked at me like I was crazy and was like, what are you talking about? And I was like, well, you know, the old man, the little girl. And she just like gave me this look. And so young college kid moved in on the third floor. Whew, maybe a month or two later, out of nowhere one night, I'm sitting in my kitchen and all of a sudden uh, my ceiling collapses and water pours in, pours in through the entire kitchen, all collapsed, destroyed so much of my artwork. And I heard this yelling from upstairs and it turned out that the, the guy on the third floor had fallen asleep and somehow uh, the bathtub had turned on and completely overflowed and destroyed his apartment, destroyed the apartment, like destroyed. I mean, it must have been thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars worth of damage. You know, and I took him at his word. I didn't turn it on, I swear. I didn't turn it on. I just, I was sleeping, I was asleep, you know. And at that point, I kind of thought of the old man, the little girl. And, uh, and he moved out and the apartment was so damaged that like for the rest of the time that I had lived there, uh, no one else had moved in. But then one day I was talking with a neighbor who had lived there for years and I mentioned something about, you know, I thought there was like this old man, this little girl living up there once and she looks at me and literally her face just turns pale and her eyes widen, you know, very like Hollywood style. She just stares at me and she whispers, she's like, you've seen them too. And I looked at her at that moment and I was like, yeah, I've seen them too. And she like looks at me terrified. And, and at that moment I realized that, oh, they, were, they weren't people, they weren't corporeal. And you know, it makes perfect sense. It was an old house. That's what old houses are like sometimes. A shock of light above the gorge. One moment of the sun. The cliffs are like a closing mouth of frozen rock, and north and south the frigid waters run. I pause and glance ahead. The path is vertical and thin. An ancient rusted chain is here. I wrap it round my hand in fear. It bites into my skin. The roots and boulders, tangled, thick as fingers intertwined, jut out as sharp as broken bones. I cross a heap of ancient stones and pour out half my wine. Come out and taste the wine, I call. Come out and drink your fill. The wind comes roaring through the trees, and something in me dimly sees the spirits of the hill. I light an incense stick and bow. I know it's cold up here. The world has changed, and we have come to hate the things we started from, the magic and the fear. The face of death is hid behind this horror we have made. But fools prefer what's clear and bright. They turn their backs on every sight of mingled light and shade. Still, there are things we owe the ghosts, and some do not forget. 
a mournful bird came floating by. The mountain ghosts did not reply. They haven't answered yet.